This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Father, we thank you for this morning. I humble myself before you. I ask that you speak through me and give to your people what they need here today. Uh, Lord, we are humbled in your presence. Lord, our dependence is upon you. And Lord, in this special season of Christmas and uh, gift giving and receiving, help us to keep our perspective from heaven's view. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said... Amen, amen. So, uh, water baptism coming up on the 15th, and we have the Freedom Conference. I think we have 60 coming out to the Freedom Conference. That's awesome. Um, just uh, planning for that. And then that Sunday, water baptism. And it's like, well, uh, you've never been water baptized. We do it right up here. We've done it numerous times before, and we kind of kind of have a slick program for that. And always a powerful time. Very powerful time. So if you're like, well, I've never been water baptized, put your name on the list. Uh, count yourself in. Take that step of faith. And we'll talk about water baptism that morning. So amen. Amen. Uh, this is the fourth week in our series. And uh, not that I've hit a saturation point, but we'll move on after this week. Uh, we have a, a Christmas program and all of that stuff happening this month of December. And so uh, I want to talk to you. This is the fourth week in our series Lessons from the Eagles, lessons from the Eagles, and uh, just a few things here this morning. We'll receive communion, and I subtitle this Folded Wings, and I usually read a little bit about eagle facts and uh, some interesting things, and uh, one thing I found is says, chicks leaving the nest. The eaglets are poor hunters, and they may try to scavenge on dead prey instead. So as the chicks develop their flight skills, they harass, this is interesting, the parents. <laughs> um, parents, hold your amen. And they try to take fish from them. So I get that picture. So this behavior helps eagles learn to forage and be independent. And it lasts, actually, they say, into the month of September. And at 17 to 23 weeks of age, the bond between the adults and the young fades. And the adults no longer tolerate harassment from their offspring. <laughs> Um, this is the time when the young eaglets leave their territory, following the prevailing winds to more northerly shorelines and water bodies in search of good feeding grounds. A couple principles here. One, um, it, the eaglets are not supposed to eat dead things, but they try. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. They try when they're young, but the parents, they, they steer them away from that, and they want them to feed on fresh prey. Somebody shout fresh prey. <laughs> Vultures eat dead things. But eaglets will not. How many know we need to be careful what we feed in our lives with our eyes? Amen? Yeah. With our eyes, with our ears, especially in this day and age. Amen? I don't mean that as a heavy, but we have to be conscientious of that. And then here's something that was interesting, another principle. When the eagle grows old, his feathers become weak and he cannot take him as fast as he should. 
And all those over 50 say amen. <clears throat> when he feels weak about to die, he retires to a place far away in the rocks. While he's there, he plucks out every feather on his body. What a sight to see on that. Until he's completely bare and he stays in this hiding place until he has grown new feathers. And then he can come out. You know, so too for some of us, even though we may have been in the faith for decades, amen, long time in the faith, how many know there's some things we always need to shed off in our lives? And, you know, and allow the Holy Spirit and things that are burdening us down, that are weighing us down, we need to let go, let go. So shedding some things, when I think about that, and I think about the passion that Caleb, Joshua and Caleb in the Old Testament, after they made it into the promised land, they were the only two that were from the desert that made it in. All the rest died because they were men of faith. They had courage. Courage is a lacking thing in our day and age. They had courage, and he was 85 years old, and he tells Joshua, he says, hey, Moses promised me my mountain. At 85, I want my mountain. I want my mountain. And so he, and Joshua said, you know what? Yes, you were promised that. And he took off with his guys, and they took the mountain. At 85, <laughs> that's pretty old, isn't it? But he, still, he was in the fight. He was in the fight. He didn't become passive. Can you say amen? <clears throat> uh, I hope you didn't stay up too late these last few days because I'm going to try to wake you up. Very quickly, let me just in the next few minutes recap. I don't want to spend a lot of time. One of our texts has been Deuteronomy excuse me, 32.10. Talks about Israel. The Lord says he found him in the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. And I've said this each week. Aren't you thankful that God has kept you through the difficult times? And then we focused on verses 11 through 13. And it's this picture that we see about how an eagle stirs up its neck and hovers over its young that God spread out his wings to catch them. Talking about Israel. He cared for them and he kept them from falling. And it talks about the promise of God. And then we jump to uh, Job uh, uh, 29 verses 1 through 6, 6. And the Bible says that how I long for the months gone by. Job is relating in the midst of his suffering and his, his agony and the physical uh, ailment on his body with the boils. And he says, oh, I long for the good old days. And we touched on that, those good old days. And, and he talked about how, uh, you know, I was honored and, and people saw me in the community and they revered me. And, and he actually says this then. He said, well, my steps were like butter. Everything was easy. And, and we talked about that. And, and, and how, you know, at times and seasons in our life where we feel like we're just blessed, things are working out. And how many have ever experienced that? Come on now, how many have forgotten what that's like? You think, oh, pastor, I want to... But how many know that God wants us to remember but not live in the good old days? Because he has times of refreshing for all of us. See, we don't believe that. But he does, and I have experienced times of refreshing. You know what? I'm believing God for some times of refreshing for this church and for you all. Amen? Undeniable times of refreshing of the Lord that infuse you, that he speaks a word to you, that he, that he encourages you, encourages us all. I believe that's in our future. Amen? Not far distance, but soon future. Can you say amen? And so he talks about it when he was in prime, and, and he talks about how he was blessed so much, and his nest was blessed. And, and then he, he makes this statement, and we've kind of focused on this in Job 29, 18. He said, I'll die in my nest. And the Lord said, hmm... I heard that, Job. I heard that. And so last week we talked about nesting syndrome and our nest. How many know that nests are only meant to be a temporary transition place for the baby eaglets? Isn't that right? 
It's not supposed to be a permanent place. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of that. We have a lot, we have a lot of, a, uh, you know, kids that are still in the nest, and spiritually speaking. And a lot of us, you know, we don't, we, we don't want to get out of the nest of safety and security. We, 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 because we like our comfort. And we like the things that we like. I'm getting to that in a moment. But we said this, that God, well, at times, he'll bust up our nest to teach us to fly. The eagles do not know that they have the potential to soar high, even above storms. Did you know that? The eagles do that. They love when the storm comes. They get in that thermal, and they go above the storm. And I really believe God, but they won't experience that unless they get out of the nest. Can you say Amen. So when God is going to take you higher and deeper spiritually, I really believe, I mean, he, he, he is training us to reign with him. We talked about that this earth is not our final destination. But some of us, this is all we see. This is it. This, this is it. Yeah, what I can see and experience, what I, you know, I don't know about that. But what I do know, you know what? God has put the spirit of faith in us all. And we, he's called us up higher. I'll get to that in a moment. But so, so he, he busts up our nest, I believe, to teach us, to train us, to push us in areas where I didn't know I had this. I, I, growing up as a kid, if you'd have asked me, have you ever pastored a church? I'd say, never. Absolutely not. Never. No, I don't want nothing to do. I actually wanted to start a chain of you know, weightlifting you know, gyms, and, and I wanted to go as a, I wanted to be a, in the bodybuilding scene, and, and that, you know, I, that was my, some of you think, oh, man. I was passionate about that after I got out of the, the Marines, and, 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 but God had other plans for me, and I would have, if you'd asked me then, I'm like, what, you nuts? You crazy? The pastor at church? But I didn't know I had those wings until I was pushed out of the nest. And so what is resident within you that you don't know still yet, but that God is, is, is wanting to edge you forward? Amen? And so many Christians, they have folded wings, folded wings. In other words, they don't really want any change in their daily routine. Now, I'm, I'm going to temper this, all right, because I'm going to bring myself in this too. Even the places that they eat, the coffee shops that they regularly visit, and they don't want any challenge, you know, risk in life. A lot of Christians sometimes, you know, no discomfort, and they, they str- a lot of times they strive, and just people in general, too, for total tranquility of life on earth and protecting this nest and building off the grid. There's a lot of that right now. You know what it intrigues me? I think it's wonderful. Never have to get an electrical bill in my life again. Amen. Come on, somebody. Or that LP bill, and then they jack it up to five, six bucks again. Come on. You know, and it's just like, I am totally independent from you all. <laughs> Come on, is anybody with me on that? Yeah. All right, you know, so I get it, I get it, but you know, it's like, anyhow, but, but this challenge, and so let me just interject. Um, uh, I, I, I do like the things that I like. Some of the, well, no kidding, <laughs> you know. And my wife, Rhonda, she asked me when we were first married. She said, okay, all right, are you a, are you a picky eater? I said, absolutely not. I just like the things I like. She should have known by then. <laughs> that was a telltale sign. And just like us all, come on now. You know, when I grew up, there was a, uh, an Italian restaurant, and uh, the guy's name was Christos. It was in Brockton. Actually, it's gone now. But I had an opportunity to take my daughter, Destiny, and to meet my dad. This was back in 2013. And it was just before they closed. And we would go. My dad went there regularly, packed. Place was packed. Dad knew everybody, all these, you know, uh, Italian, some some of them in the mob, you know, it was just kind of uh, guidos, everything, and, and they'd, they'd seat you down, hello, Mr. Bartolomeo, you know, we got a, a reservation for six or eight, the Bartolomeo, so, but I always would get the steak, the sirloin steak with mashed potatoes and 
and in peas and a nice salad, and it was like 12 bucks. I mean, it was just, and every time, even as a little kid, and so it was, I, we liked that. My dad liked that. It was routine. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and then when we go into Texas, we visit Destiny near uh, Austin. Uh, they have what they call Torchy's Tacos. I don't know if you've ever eaten at a Torchy's Tacos, but the guacamole, come on now, is the best in, see, my wife knows, I could sit, uh, some of you are getting really hungry now, with a bowl of chips in that walk, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know, and we go every time we're down there, I was like, gotta go to Torchy's Tacos, you know, the place is kind of a little on the edge, it's a little edgy, but, you know, and even here in town, you know, I visit, if I go to the Chinese restaurant, I'll go to Great Hanana, if anything I get for the 30 years that place has been open, is one thing, never changed, never changed, when I walk in, you know, the owners, they go, hey, Mike, sweet and sour chicken, egg raw soup, you know, crispy noodles, yep, same thing, because it's so good to, come on now, do you have places you like to visit? Do you have any favorite things? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. We all do. And so, now the big one, do a little cheese curds. They are the best cheese curds around. Nobody, anyhow, I'm going to move right along because we're going to get hungry here to go eat. Here's the problem. The problem comes, and I'm speaking to myself, when our routine, hear me? Our comfort, our familiarity takes precedence. Did you get that? Takes precedence over God's mandate for our, our lives, his directives in the season of life that we're in. So you want to temper this. Then something is wrong, church. When God can't speak and speak a word to us and ask of us something because we're in a season of life that, you know what, I, I'm, just, I'm just too busy you know, I got all these little kids. Or, or I don't want to be stretched. Come on now. Or I, you know, I don't want to be out of my normal comfort. You know, that's my tea time, Lord. I can't, you know, step. That's my, come on now. Are you here with me this morning? Something's wrong. Our, our, our wings of service, they're folded. Our wings of giving are folded. Our, our wings are sacrificed. They're clipped. And, and we only want security. We only want happiness and comfort here on earth. And, and, you know, it's like, hey, Pastor, I don't mind you preach encouraging message. I come for, to be encouraged. But don't say anything that stretches me, Pastor. Don't, don't say anything that challenges me. And I don't like that word sacrifice, Pastor. Well, you got a different kind of pastor here. Amen. <laughs> let, me just, let me just talk about being stretched, and, and, and I get it. So, so I shared about things I like. I do, there's certain things that I like. There's nothing wrong with that. Breathe in, breathe out. But it's going back to the principle, the principle of does God have your life? Does he have your heart when he asks of you something? One of my first trips to Russia and Ukraine back in 1994 after those countries kind of collapsed, the infrastructure and kind of communism at its best, um, the government would meter the water. And so I went over with Peter Mel, a missionary. He's with the Lord now. Uh, we would go there, and I was like, Pete, where's the water? <laughs> Turn on. They said they shut it off. Shut it off. Why? Because they're metering the water. How do we get water? He goes, we just can't have any water. Can't flush the toilets, nothing. I'm like, how are we going to take a shower? For five days, I wasn't able to take a shower. It was cold, and then you sweat, and then you preach, and you stink. Come on now. How many know we need to take a shower daily? Amen. Just want to throw that out there, okay? <clears throat> but, but it was really difficult. And for me, it really, really bothered me. It was just like, I'm struggling here, okay? This is nasty. And so finally, when they turn the water on, I feel a bunch of big buckets, and I was like, Pete, we're going to have, a, not 
he and I, but we're going to have a bath tonight, okay? But we're going to have a bath. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, put it on the stove. We heated the water to it boiled, and then we'd mix it with the freezing, frigid cold water. And then I would sit in the tub, this old cast iron tub, and I would pour it over, and some shots would be really boiling hot, and some would be kind of too cold. And it was that, ooh, ah, ooh, but it was refreshing. You know, and, and it, it, we just did, did that, you know, when I was there. And, and, and when we came home, I was with Pastor Steve this time in that one trip. I remember we came to U.S. Customs still. We stung and we made it. And then the customs agent in America said, oh, you guys in Russia, Ukraine, stamped it. He goes, welcome to America. I think Pastor Steve fell on his knees <laughs> at that time. When I came home to the house, first thing I wanted to do is take a hot shower. I turned on my faucet. I got on my knees and I was like... <laughs> Thank you for this warm water. See, until you lose something, you don't appreciate it. Come on now. And, and, and just the water that I turn on that's warm, that's clean. Wow. I thank God for it. You know what? All those uh, numerous inconveniences uh, on the field, just in, in life and ministry, and I experienced. I wouldn't trade that for all the money in the world. Yeah, it's a big statement, Pastor. I wouldn't. I'm a better person today. I cherish those. When I meet with other pastors or the people I've traveled with, we talk about those times and we, that suffering. And I like, remember that time when happened. Kathleen's been with us numerous times and numerous trips. And we go, oh, do you remember when? And yeah, it was, oh, at the time we thought we were going to lose it. And wow, there's something refreshing. And we went through that. Come on now. We went through that and we made it. And God was faithful. Can you say Amen. And so in a very small sense, you know, we partook of the sufferings of Christ for the gospel's sake. It was, it's an honor. I look back, and I went, I'm so thankful we had that opportunity and to do that. And those that supported us to go, I believe they partook in that too. You partook in that. So, you know, I heard this illustration one time about in New Zealand, they got all these little birds there and they're trying to protect now because the predators, they're trying to change DNA and <clears throat> because the birds had no predators for a while. So all these little kiwis and whatever running around, they got really fat and they couldn't fly. So their wings were kind of clipped. And so now that the predators have come, they're just going out there and chomping, just picking and the birds can't get away. And, and so here's the thing, the presence of a predator, or I should say this, the presence of difficulties in our life and challenges. Can I get an amen? That causes you to fly, to soar. And many of us, God wants us to soar. You know, when I think of folded wings, it may be simple as serving as an usher, serving on the worship team, door greeting, stepping out of your comfort zone, making coffee for the church in the morning. Everyone says amen that drinks coffee, amen? Those are blessings. That's helping, it's serving. God takes notice of everything. Whether I have to see you or not, God sees you. Amen? He's the one. You help out in nursery, youth ministry, and maybe you mentor young men or women. And, you know, yes, even shoveling snow coming out or it's done or plowing. Thank you, Joel. You know, whatever, whatever it is. And I think of the ladies that help out in the foyer and the front desk, Lisa, Melissa, and Kim, and others that help out. And, and that, that's, that's really soaring. That's soaring. It's doing your part. And maybe you've infused, hey, we could do this as a ministry, and we do it as a church, and it's just a tremendous impact. And that's you doing your part with your gift. How many with me say? Amen. What am I saying? You're called to a higher calling. 
We all are. A heavenly calling that is on our life. It's not just an earthly calling. God has called to, called us to. And so God will often come into our life and he'll disturb. He'll break up our, our plans at times and extinguish our hopes and dashes our vanities that have lured us on. Why? Why? He spoils everything, it seems, at times. <laughs> he does. And you think, what for? Well, <clears throat> I really believe that God has committed himself to get us to a higher level of Christian development and a higher spiritual purpose to take our eyes off of this world that we would have a heavenly perspective. Can you say amen? You know, I just want to just preach here for a bit, but how many know there's more to life than the house? There's more to life than the car, the truck, the boat, the fishing, the hunting gear, the exotic vacation. That's a big thing now. Now people are superimposing themselves on spots and pictures that they never were even there. They're in their backyard. You know, it's, it's crazy. But, but there's more to life than the comfort of the nest. Amen, Pastor Mike. There's more to life than the new living room set. Nothing wrong with that. The new wardrobe. Nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> the new bathroom. The new kitchen remodel. The new, the new, all the next, the next, the next, the next. There's nothing wrong with those things, but when they take precedence. You know, just mentioning that about there's more to life than these things. Here's the thing. I am absolutely positive. Uh, stand before God as I share this to, to you as a church body. I believe what I just shared will become shockingly real the moment we pass from this life into the next, that moment. It's going to be shockingly, Amen. awakening, magnificently, awesomely truthful, this statement that just made, that in that moment, we will have absolute, total clarity, and we will realize what really mattered on earth, what really did not matter at all. And what now matters in heaven for eternity? What you did on earth. Oh, come on, somebody. I believe that with my whole heart. And so all of this, some people are workaholics. You know, they can't make, you see them Saturday, they're working Sunday with their truck or they're pulling in. They're like, whatever, you got to work every day, workaholic. It doesn't matter in heaven. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be hard workers, amen? But how many know the Bible talks about a day of rest? Amen? Day of rest. And, and, and so it's going to be shockingly clear, I believe, in that moment that, oh, my God, I gave my life to this the, my, on earth. It really didn't mount to hill of beans. But the things I thought were, hey, in passing, oh, we'll help out with that mission trip, or we'll give a little here. Oh, you know, we'll serve it here. God will magnify in heaven. He will magnify that in heaven. I believe that. This may be uncomfortable for some of you. It's the truth. Amen. I should be glad you came to church this morning. And you're like, oh, dear God. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing. Let me just temper this. It is essential that all of us, and, and we live in America. I'm going to share some things in a moment. Having a place of safety. Place, you know, this is a wonderful community we're in. It really is. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful place. Safe for the most part. And God has blessed you. If he has blessed you with things and blessings and, and finances, you ought to be thankful. Thankful, thankful for the simple things, amen? Grateful for his tremendous goodness towards you and your family. You have a safe place. You have hot water. You have electricity. You have comfort. There's nothing wrong with that, and that is God's blessing in our life. Can you say amen? You know, I didn't have much even as a student. It was in Bible school. 
Um, and, you know, students, you live off of basically five, ten bucks, ramen noodles. Come on, they can go a long way with a little, you know. And you don't have much, but you know, I was just thankful. I was thankful that I had a car. I was thankful that I had a, a, a job, I had a, a job there. I was in Bible school that it could help support. And, but I was able to go to school, and you didn't have much. You didn't have much at all. I remember one time, Frida Lindsay, she was the president there, the wife of Gordon, who passed away, who started the Bible school, she had an anointing on her life to raise money. I wish I had her life today. That lady could get up and raise money of a whole student body of 1,500 students who basically live hand to mouth, come on now, and pay off a whole campus in Cuba or some other place. She, she could do it. I remember one time I was challenged for something, and I'm thinking, okay, you're not talking to me because I have nothing. That there was a grace and anointing there that actually stood up and stepped up for a certain amount that stretched me for a whole year, but I did it. And I was like, you know what? God has given us faith for a reason, and we need to be able to be stretched in that area to believe in him for future things. Even if you didn't have it. I didn't have it. I didn't know where it was coming. Absolutely no way. There wasn't like, I can do this. I could liquidate that. Nothing. But God helped when I stood out, stood out in faith. Amen? <clears throat> so let me just say this quickly about God's blessing, some truths. How many know that God owns everything and I am his manager? Amen. And that we should not live merely for the moment, but for eternity. That's what I'm talking about. Amen? You see, this perfect message for this season coming in. This is just a perfect message. It really is. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Amen, Pastor Mike. And watch this, watch this. Here's a big one. Ready? God prospers us not to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard of giving. Oh, amen. Amen there. And you know, here's the thing in giving. He says, I love a cheerful giver. Not a begrudging. I can't, you know. He loves cheerfulness when we give. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Back in 1986, uh, that's me there in uh, just outside uh, uh, Guantanamo, uh, not excuse me, Subic Bay in the Philippines. And I shared this story before, but we did some field operations. I was sent with uh, the Marine Division there as a peacekeeping force <clears throat> with uh, Fernandel Marcos and his wife Emilda with her 3,000 pairs of shoes. Some of, you remember, some of you remember that. And so we were sent down there as a peacekeeping force. There was uh, some turmoil in, in, in the country and and so we landed there, and we stayed there in, in, in Subic Bay. And uh, I noticed that uh, we did some field operations across the bay. It was kind of an area that was kind of separated. It was about 900 families. And when we landed, uh, after we crossed the bay, I was, it just totally wrecked me as a young kid. Totally wrecked me. We came in there fully loaded. And, and I look, and there's the boxes that are MRE boxes, meal ready to eat were taken, cut down, and used as a shack, and they were living in them. Wow. I went, what are these? Are these just like temporary night cots? No, this is their family, six, eight kids, whatever. And then the kids, I noticed they got, they got maybe a T-shirt. It's ripped. Some of them just had underwear. They had nothing on their feet, and they're just running around. I was so 
distraught by that. Come on, somebody. And, and I was like, we got to do something about it. We went back. We started raising money. We started, went and found out there was warehouses of clothing that the military had. I'm like, why is this stuff sitting here? Let's get it to the people. Before long, we had truckloads that we went over, and this was the day that we did this. And we had doctors come over, all the officers, the brass started coming in, and it was just a big thing. I don't even know how it took off, but it just accelerated. And we, you know, we had shower shoes for the kids and new shirts, and they had glove ball, old mitts, you know, that they shipped from the U.S. No one, they were playing ball. It was just amazing. And I was so fortunate, just honored to be a part of that. And these were some of the kids that they would surround us there, and, and, and we just helped administer to them. And, but when I think about that, and I just think about how blessed we are. We are a blessed people. Amen. I said we're a blessed people. And, and, and there's a reason we are blessed. Now, just just a, a little FYI, just some of the rural Filipino homes. The kids live in this, and, and even today, even today, there's a river there. and We would cross over uh, to go from the base uh, into, into the community, and there's a river there. And if you ever had change or whatever, the kids would surround you. They'd try to pick your pockets. And if you ever threw the money into the river, the kids would dive into that. And you, you think you're going to die. But they live, their houses are right on, on that river. And it's just, it's just filthy. It's fil- filthy. You know, I'm going to just read this with a smile. And uh, I, this is not a guilting us. But this is to change our perspective, especially in this season. Come on, church. <clears throat> About some poverty facts. Nearly one half of the world's population, more than three billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. <coughs> That's a grande or tall coffee here at Starbucks. Actually, it's just a regular coffee. More than 1.3 billion live in extreme poverty. In other words, they live on less than $1.25 a day. That's 1.3 billion with a B. Okay, just want that to sink in. One billion children worldwide are living in poverty. According to UNICEF, 22 thousand children die each day due to poverty not enough food that's 900 children an hour so in other words this hour and a half service 1400 kids die just because of poverty not trying to be heavy just just telling you some facts 850 million people worldwide do not have enough food to eat still today one quarter of all humans 25 percent live without electricity that's approximately 1.6 billion. We did a trip in 2014. We went up north uh, to uh, Jaffna in that area. And I think Kathleen remembers this. And I don't know who else was on with us with that. And in this village, with, with, there was a lot of the terrorist groups that were there. And a lot of them were, you know, there was a lot of violence in that, that village. They were just then, in 2014, laying wire to bring electricity into the community. But nobody had money to pay for it in their houses because they were living in huts. That was 2014. 80% of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day. More than 750 million people lack adequate access to drinking water. Diarrhea caused by inadequate drinking water, sanitation, hand hygiene, kills an estimated of 842,000 people every year globally or approximately 2,300 people every single day. And here's the thing I'm going to end with. This is the most revealing, and this, this applies to us all as a church and what we're about. 
This is from the UN. Watch this. About one-third of the UN's least developed countries are also the least churched countries in the world. Did you get that? In other words, as a matter of correlation, they say one in every three countries listed by the UN as those that are the least socioeconomic developed are also those that have little Christian influence. Wow. You know what that tells me? Church, we can do our part. The gospel makes a difference in the world. It makes a difference. You can make a difference. We are, I believe, making a difference as a church in many nations as the Lord opens those doors. Local churches in communities makes a difference. Even the UN knows that. Amen, Pastor Mike. Amen. Don't believe the lie that our lives on this earth are about nesting, building your nest egg solely. It's about what God wants. Life is not about gathering more earthly possessions, assets, belongings. No, it goes back to we all have a heavenly calling. Can you say amen? And so here's the thing. Until that mother and father eagle start disturbing the nest, those eaglets will never step out into their potential. They will never soar. They will never soar. So too, our God, he wants us to live, to rise above the safety and the comfort and being willing like the turtle to stick our neck out and do some things for his kingdom. Can you say amen? We have a heavenly calling. Hebrews 3.1 says this, brothers and sisters, you are our holy partners in a heavenly calling. There's something higher God has called us all to than just our natural, just try to survive. There's so many people we can help. In, that are in those dire situations as the church. But I believe, once again, it goes back to the problem that our nest of security, we get too comfortable. We get too comfortable. I mean, some people are so comfortable, they're at a place right now, don't even need to read the Bible, don't need to pray, no desire to give. Hey, got all the bases covered and have all the answers. They're self-made people and they have it all. But you know what? Here's the thing, church, in this fallen world. Life has a way of tearing up our nests. And in that moment, you're going to need God. I have a sign in my desk, and this is many years ago. Someone was in a dire situation, not a part of this church, came in, and I have a little sign that's right across my desk. And, and while they were in, you know, pouring out their heart of what they needed, he read the sign, and he goes, that convicts me. And it says this, Spiritual, spirituality cannot be you know, obtained in the moment of crisis. And a lot of times, you know, we're like, God, help me. Where have you been all the while? Come on now. You know what I mean? We want to be rescued in the moment. And then God reaches out in his loving kindness, and he helps us, and he heals us. He delivers us, and he, he prospers us. He blesses us, and we forget him. Amen, Pastor Mike. I'm ending here. I think it's a good time we need to end. <laughs> Life has a way of tearing up our nests. And we're going to need God more than ever. You know, let me just say this about, and, and, and this speaks to me as a parent. We're all, you know, parents and baby eaglets, and we're actually, our nest is empty. God, do I miss the nest? <laughs> if you could come back just for a little bit, I would welcome you to the nest. But truth of the matter is, many times, how many know we want to shield our family? Now, just hear me now. From all, all our kids, we want to shield them from all trouble and pain. Come on, I'm preaching right now, truth. I'm telling truth now, okay? 
God's truth right now. We want to shield them and, and, and we want to protect them. And how many know that as parents, we should defend and protect our kids? Amen. We should shield them, but not from everything. Amen. Amen. Not from everything. He said, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? He said, well, you know, we don't want them to go through any difficult things. We don't want them to lack anything. We don't want them to have any struggles. Oh, it's okay. I'm here for you. What do you need in this moment? I've done that. And and it was wrong. It was wrong. And God rebuked me on that. Here's the thing. The thing that made you what you are today is because of what you went through and the hardships in your past. Amen? The struggles, the tears, the rejection, the feeling like quitting and giving up, that shaped you who you are today. You are a better person today because of it. Amen? But what happens in the heat of the moment, and I've done this, and I've had to be corrected on it, we just forget this. This goes right out the door. <laughs> and all reasoning, and we just, we just want to give them everything. Just give them everything. Relieve their pain. And, and we need to help them out right now. That's it. And I've, I've actually said that. And then I'm like, my wife brings me back to, no, wait a minute, you know, or I, her. You know, it's like, honey, no, wait a minute, you know. How many of you know that God loves your children more than you ever could? I'm going to say that again. God loves your children more than you ever or I could. He's committed to developing and strengthening them just as he has you. He, show, he wants to show himself as the strong one to your kids. Amen? And here's the thing. As a father, I love it when my kids feel that they can depend upon me. Come on now. There's nothing wrong with that. You should be a dependable dad or mom. Amen? But, but what, here's his point, right? Oh, we're going to receive communion in a bit. Ultimately... I want my kids to depend upon Jesus more than me. That's what I want. Because why? I am not their savior. Jesus is. And that's what I want. I want them to, to, to get to that place to say, you know, it's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Amen. And so, you know, as parents, we've all gone through difficult things and that we've agonized over as, as, as parents and, and go through and kids weeping on the phone and just in difficult situations. And, you know, it's, you could in some ways rush in and maybe alleviate that. And I'm not talking about life-threatening, dangerous things here at me, church. I'm just talking about life issues. Come on now. Just difficulty in life that everyone will go through. Everyone. And, but it's those difficulties that we have gone through that, that, that brings us to our knees that God will deal with your children also and, and show himself strong to each and every one of them. Can you say amen? See, God is committed to their spiritual development, not just their worldly success. Did you get that? <laughs> That's what he's committed to. He's committed to their character and their testimony and their love for him. That is what he's committed to. And so God is gonna draw them back. I really believe that. And I just declare that to your children. Uh, he all, any wayward kids, they're going to be drawn back in the name of Jesus. You know what? You serving the Lord, you love the Lord, that's going to affect and have a matriculating effect, and they will come back to the Lord in Jesus' name. I just, I just declare that. Stand with me if you would, please. Joshua said, 2415, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's, that's what I want. That's what I want. Here's what I believe God's called us all as we prepare for communion. I believe it's time for us as a church, and, and, and maybe this applied to you today, maybe not. Some of you would challenge. Maybe some of you felt really uncomfortable, and you feel like those little eaglets in there. Mommy, mommy, what are you doing to me? You, why are you pushing me to the edge? Because there's something inside you 
that others need, that only you can, you can bring healing, deliverance. Now, there's a guy that travels around the country now, and all he does is he started to pick up trash in some of the major cities, tons of it. And he would contact some of the city officials and said, can you just supply dumpsters for us? No, all this, getting harassed, just to pick up garbage. He still does it, has hundreds of people come out. Some of them are wearing hazmat, you know, just in some of the areas they're at to clean up our country. One person started something like that. What's in your heart? What's in you that God has placed within you? So practically speaking, what is keeping with every head bowed? What is keeping you in your nest of security? What is keeping your wings of service folded? Yeah, this is strong, but it's needed. Maybe it could be unforgiveness. I don't know. Is it bitterness towards somebody that's holding you back? I have just heard a story. I know of someone this years ago, not even in this church or you know, not even in this community, but that they were so mad as a kid that the dad bought a bicycle for one of the sons, but he didn't get that bicycle. And so his whole life, until he died, he was bitter. And we bring up the story, I never got the bicycle. You gotta be kidding. You're in your 80s and you're still thinking about that? Is it bitterness? Bitterness towards somebody? Maybe it's a hurt, a regret. Maybe it's a spirit of fear. You know what? There's a tremendous spirit of fear that's over this region in people's lives. Fear of man. Fear what others will say. Fear of what the community is going to say. Fear. Could it be greed, selfishness? Maybe, is it possibly self-centeredness? I don't know. Here's what I wrote. What are we tolerating in our life that we know is holding us back? What are you tolerating in your life that you know that is holding you back, keeping your wings folded, keeping you in your nest of security? It's every head bowed. You're here this morning as a pastor. I don't want to hold back anymore. I don't want to hold back. I want to break out of this nest. I don't want to soar what God has placed in my heart. I don't want to be held back. I don't want to be dwarfed. I want to fulfill what God has put in my life. And I believe in this holy moment, the Holy Spirit is going to crush that lie over your life. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit is going to crush that lie, that stronghold, that bondage in Jesus' name over your life. And you're going to be free. You'll not be driven by a spirit of fear, manipulation. You'll be free. With every head bowed, you see, Pastor, that's me. I, I need, I feel like I'm, first of all, I'm not even right with God and I need to get right. That's what this prayer is about, for you to get right with God. After communion, we'll open up the altars here with the altar workers to pray for you in this area to break off whatever is, is holding you back, you feel is holding you back. You say, Pastor, I need to get right with Jesus. I want to pray for you. And I believe Jesus will meet you right at your point of need here this morning. You say, that's me. Let's pray together in unison. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of receiving Christ and making him not just Savior, but Lord of your life. If that's you, pray with me. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, today I give you my life. Now take it in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.